everyone. This is the first time I've been here, but I've known about you for a while. Um, I work for River City Ministry in North Little Rock, and I'm the guy who opens the mail there, and y'all send us support. So I've seen your name the whole eight years that I've worked with River City Ministry. This is the first time I'm getting to see the faces. And now I'm seeing most of the other half of your faces. <laughs> uh, and so I'm really happy to be here. Um, if afterwards you have any questions about what's going on at the ministry, I'd love to talk to you about it. I can talk about it all day. Um, but again, I'm really happy for a chance to be able to be here and speak to you today. Um, I'll just ask for a slide change when we get there. Okay, so now that I've told you who I am, let's dig into our lesson. Um, go to the next slide. We put a lot of stock in what we believe. And that is a good thing because belief is an essential step in us coming to salvation, right? But it's not the only step that's there. And when you look at our faith, the Christian faith, what we get into in the nitty-gritty of what we believe is the reason why there's literally hundreds of denominations in the United States, right? Most of them have a creed which states those beliefs, and all of them just a little bit different. And our tradition in the Churches of Christ, we don't have an official creed. But a lot of times that means between us as congregations, we have all those little differences, right? Sometimes we can get over them, play together, and other times those things become very divisive. I'm, I'm afraid that sometimes we get so worried about what we believe, it can get in the way of what we do. I understand Paul tells us that we are not saved by our works. You can't work your way to salvation. I'm not saying that. But I do believe that we were saved for a purpose beyond just not going to heaven and going to heaven at you. I believe that we were saved and we were redeemed to be God's presence, God's life in this world, to take up the ministry of Christ and to bring that to other people. And part of doing that is in the way that we interact with the world. Next slide, please. So it's not just about what we believe. It's also about what we do. Right? That really shows the world who we are, more than just giving a list of beliefs. Because if you look at what Paul says, he says that the gospel is foolishness. And with the gospel being foolishness, it's hard to reason people into it. Right? There is something about this message of a God who would come in the flesh and give his life for others that seems ridiculous. Why would God choose to do things that way, right? And so how that message takes shape for people 
is by what they see. How they see that belief affect our lives. Because we're not just believers and non-believers in this world. We're also followers of Christ, right? And following Christ, that's action. And that action is something that people see. Next slide, please. Um, Teresa of Avila was a Christian that lived way back in the 1500s. And she said one night she had a dream. And in that dream, she saw an angel running with a torch in one hand and a bucket of water in the other. And so she asked, she said, where are you going with that torch and that bucket? And what do you plan to do with it? And the angel said, with the torch, I'm going to set fire to the mansions of heaven. And with the bucket, I'm going to put out the fires of hell. And then we'll see who truly follows God for love of God. It's about more than just not going to hell, which I don't know about you, but when I was young, or that's what first brought me to my decision. I didn't want to go to hell. It was, it was really fear that kind of drove me to take that first step, right? But it's about more than just where I don't want to go and where I do want to go. A love for Christ that transforms me and takes shape in my love for others is the deeper part of the Christian experience. A lot of times, I think when I, I talk to younger people, this fear of hell and hope of heaven is less what they think about. Instead, when I listen to what they say, I hear things about, I want to change the world. I want to do something that matters. I want to have an impact, right? And so if we don't use heaven and hell as the conversation for why someone should come to Christ in the first place, what do we talk about? How do we show people why they should come to Christ? Next slide. In Matthew 5, Jesus talks about what it looks like to be a follower of Christ and what impact it has on others and on the world. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way that your light so shines for others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Notice how that light, that light shines out to other people is through those good deeds. And when those good deeds are done, not only do people see it. But when they see it, they don't credit it to us, but to God, whose will we're following and who motivates our actions. This way of living is what defines us to others when they look at us. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 13. He gave them the new commandment to love each other and he said, by this they will know you are my disciples because of the love that you have for each other. Uh, there's, there's a story about the years following 
World War II. After the Holocaust, the leaders in the Jewish faith coming together to answer the question, how do we explain to our people the events that we just saw? How do we help people hold on to their faith after they just watched Jews be slaughtered? A lot of these rabbis were going back to communities that no longer existed. Or you had just a few people who were survivors, who were all trying to deal with this trauma. And so these leaders came together in 1946 to discuss what do we teach? How do we answer the questions of where was God? What was God doing? How could God let this happen? The Job questions. And the meeting didn't go as you would expect. You had leaders who were just as distressed and lost in asking all the same questions as their followers. You had some who were not only saying that they had lost their faith, but maybe their communities, their worship places, needed to close because they had no answers to the So they came and they started this discussion on Sunday. And all the way to Friday morning, they discussed this, and they didn't come up with a good answer. And it looked like many were going to leave trying to hold on to their faith, and others were going to leave having no answers and, and maybe walking away from it. But it was Friday morning, and they started to prepare to go ahead and disband and leave because they had to prepare for the Sabbath. And they didn't want to be traveling after dark on a Friday because that's when the Sabbath begins in the Jewish understanding of the day. And several of the older leaders got up and said, do you not realize what you're doing? You're saying you don't know if you believe in God anymore, but you're going to prepare for the Sabbath day to honor God. And how they left that building that day was with the decision. This is not just about what we believe and having the answers. It's about who we are. We are people who are dedicated to God. And with these acts of dedication, staying with God, struggling through, we'll come back to our for us, our actions as Christians, the way we interact with the world, the way that we love people. Remember, as we go through the Sermon on the Mount, most of that is instructions about how to treat the people that are around us, right? It is these actions that anchor us to our faith. When faith gets difficult, when I don't have the answers, when I show the love of Christ to other people, and my brothers and sisters show the love of Christ to me. Those tangible things make it easier to hold on to my faith. Those actions live out in front of other people, help other people to see something real in our faith. It's not a list of things. It's not a list of boxes that you check, yes, I believe this, yes, I believe that. Instead, it's about how my beliefs transform me as a person and not only become what I think of here, but also who I know that I am.
This is how I recognize my identity. In God is through the life example that Jesus gave. That we are modeling our lives after. Um, there is a uh, there's an author, Karen Blitzen. Um, she wrote a book about Africa. And uh, she was Dutch. She was a Christian. But she owned a coffee plantation in Kenya. And one day she had a young man come to her door looking for work. And so he lived on her property. He worked for her. And he was a very dedicated worker. You can go to um, the side of a picture of a, of a tribal man. There we go. Right? And she, so she was in Nairobi, Kenya. And he worked with her for about six months. And she said he was the most dedicated worker she'd ever seen. But after six months, he came to her and he said, I need you to write me a letter of recommendation. And she said, why do you need a letter of recommendation? And uh, he said, because I'm leaving. He said, I, I'm going to Mombosa to live with a Muslim family. And she said, I will pay you more. You tell me how much you need to make, and I'll make sure you have it because I want you to stay here with me. And he said, I can't because at the beginning of the year, I made a decision that I will either become a Christian or a Muslim. So I've lived with you for six months to see how a Christian lives. Now I'm going to spend six months with a Muslim family to see how they did. And you know what she said? She said, I really wish you had told me that. <laughs> we'll go up to the next slide. Because Jesus talks about this, right? We don't know when Jesus is coming back. And so he tells us to be ready. Because we are like servants. A faithful servant. Sensible servant. Uh, is one whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while, and he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk, the master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites, and the place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm going to be honest with you, I forgot that little bit about chopping him up was even in the Bible. <laughs> That's a pretty intense reaction that Jesus is talking about ultimately himself as the judge, having the people who mistreat other people while claiming to be his people. Right? Just like this lady who didn't know that she had a man in her household who was looking at her to see how Christians live. The world is looking at us, right? I, I feel like we have a very critical world that's looking at us, that looks at us with assumptions of how they think Christians already live. 
We've not all ordered to live up to. But the world is looking at us not to hear from us what we believe, but to see if we really live like we believe. If it is at the end of the day who we truly are. This is why Jesus says that we are the light of the world and it's a light that can't be When we are followers of Christ, it's not all eyes are on us. I'm not trying to put too much pressure on anybody. What I'm saying is we need to be of living this way. How is our faith affecting how we live from day to day? If someone didn't know, if I didn't proclaim to someone else, could they look at my behavior and see something godly about it? Remember, Jesus said, it's not those who call him Lord Lord who have a place in the kingdom, but it's those who do the will of his Father. Right? That's what shows the world who we are. Go on to the next slide. This passage, I think, is really beautiful when you look at it in light, pun intended, of us being the light of the world. For you were once a darkness, but now you are light in your world. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light is. I can't even see it. Consists <laughs> in all goodness, righteousness. Thank you. I, I, I got to do better on the contrast in this night. But everything exposed to the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why I said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ. Will shine, will shine on you. It's that light of Christ shining on us and then through our lives as a light of other people. And, and if we're doing that, I love that the promise is just like the passage that says that when God's word goes out, it doesn't come back to a void. Whatever the light illuminates, it becomes a light itself. When people see from us that same love that God has for us, when people see our Father's will being done, when they see our good works and glorify the Father, that light transforms those who see it into life themselves because they see something that's real. They see something that's genuine. They see a transformed life. And that life is life. It exposes the darkness. And it turns into a light. So, like that children's song that we probably all bring in by the eyes. Shine your light. This I'm the way shine this little light of mine. I'm the way shine this little light of mine. I'm the way shine, let it shine. 
Thank you. 